Welcome to the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast, the show that brings you lively conversations with leaders, colleagues, and friends in healthcare, pharmacy, and beyond. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast. I'm Melissa Muir Corrigan, and I'll be your host. Thanks for listening. As we reflect on 2021, it's been quite the year with the ongoing global pandemic, vaccine rollout, supply chain issues, and lots of change. There also is innovation and connection. I'm grateful for the frontline healthcare workers, especially pharmacists, student pharmacists, and pharmacy technicians working tirelessly every day. Thank you. Well, now on today's podcast, I'll be talking with Sharon Karina, We're going to be discussing many things, including her experiences dealing with uncertainty and building resilience. I'll give you a bit of an introduction to Sharon, and then also let her tell you about herself, her career, and her many varied experiences in life in general. Sharon Karina works in prescription digital therapeutics and is an MBA candidate with the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. She is a pharmacy graduate of Midwestern University Chicago College of Pharmacy. Sharon's passionate about collaborating with others to improve outcomes throughout the health system. Sharon also has volunteered with the American Heart Association, a cause dear to my heart too. Sharon, thanks for being here with me today. Before we get into your career experiences, maybe you can talk a little bit about your background, where you grew up, about your family, and your Midwestern University Chicago pharmacy experience. Great. Thank you so much, Melissa. It is a privilege and an honor to be speaking with you today and be sharing my story. I am very excited for this question because I don't feel like we often get to talk about how growing up really impacted where we are today, especially when it comes to our pharmacy careers, our careers in healthcare in general, until we get to this point. It has been an incredible journey. My parents were in the military. My dad was in the Air Force. And so I had a lot of experience moving around. Unfortunately, I didn't move to any really exciting places, um, (laughs) which that could be the case with the military. I was born in Germany, but we moved back to the United States when I was two years old. And from that point, we went between North Dakota to Mississippi, Missouri, Texas, Northern Illinois, pretty much all in the Midwest and also in the Deep South. And so I had a lot of experience with starting over, I would say probably every two to three years, brand new school, brand new people, and a lot of times a brand new culture. So that's definitely added to uh, my ability to move through life and kind of adapt to any challenges that may come up in a very unique way. Working around that, uh, I think I enjoy challenges very differently from from other folks that may have been a little bit more stable. And so I put myself into situations where maybe I'm less risk averse and it has netted some excellent results, but it wasn't really that easy. So what ended up happening is um, throughout all these moves, around the time I was to graduate high school, we relocated to rural Texas. 
And uh, the curriculum, <laughs> I'm dating myself every time I say this, but it, it was when they just did the No Child Left Behind Act in the state of Texas. And so the curriculum was completely different from where I came from. And I was actually demoted from being a senior in high school to a freshman because my credits did not transfer. And so at 17, I dropped out of high school. Um, I got my GED and I moved out and uh, started working immediately to support myself. Wow. Well, you know, I really appreciate your vulnerability in sharing your story and also your reminder as we first started talking about the importance of people's background or what their life experience has been, how that can shape how they got into healthcare or you know into pharmacy and what that road looks like. And it sounds like your journey, although definitely not easy at times, really prepared you to face things and prepared you related to taking risks. So we will dive deeper and jump into that a little bit more. And, you know, I want to share with our community and our listeners that you and I connected in kind of an interesting way where I was doing some research for a project that I was working on. And I, so I was on the ASHP website and there was a, a story I was reading. And then as you, you and I both know that oftentimes when you're reading a story, then there's like sidebars of, well, you might be interested in this, like they kind of serve you up another story. And so I saw an article that you were interviewed for ASHP Intersections, like kind of talking about your background and your passion and with women in leadership and women in pharmacy. So we'll talk more about that. So I don't know, from that, I just reached out to you on LinkedIn. I'm like, your background sounds very interesting. And then we connected. So, you know, that kind of led us to where we are today. As we, we talk about 2021, it continues to be a year of change and transition. And as you just described, your own personal story and professional story has included periods of uncertainty. Let's talk about it. And who are some of your inspirations and mentors? Oh, this is the exciting part. So when I moved out, I'll share my, my first job was at a subway at a sandwich shop. And so my roommate and I actually, she was the assistant manager. We lived in a dilapidated flat where I was paying rent illegally under the table since I wasn't 18 across the street from a county jail. And during that time, you know, this was a, a new period of exploration, but definitely very difficult because uh, as you can imagine, I was making minimum wage and we really had a difficult time trying to get enough money together to buy food. But something happened to me that really changed what my passion was and, and it really made me think about healthcare. So I ended up uh, getting diagnosed with vasculitis while I was working at Subway. And uh, the type of vasculitis I had um, actually created a lot of extreme pain in my legs. And I was getting bruising and uh, a lot of bleeding all over. And it got so horrible. And I had so much arthritis that I had to quit my job from Subway with no way to support myself because I could not stand up. And uh, I ended up getting hospitalized for a brief time and, and put on cortical steroids. And, and thankfully the vasculitis went into remission with just a few relapses over the years. But when I experienced that, 
I immediately went and started looking into it myself. I had no experience with navigating healthcare. It was very confusing to me. I had no idea how to make a doctor's appointment. What type of doctor do you go to? Who takes care of you? How do you afford your medication? And it really scared me. So I mentioned, thankfully, you know, I, I only had a few relapses with the vasculitis, but it put in my mind, how could I learn more about healthcare? And, and how do people like me navigate healthcare? And so as I got older, um, I ended up getting into a customer service job in the telecom industry. Uh, this is while I was still living in Texas. And I learned the skills to communicate with people and to resolve problems. And I was very fortunate to be promoted a few times, but I wanted a little bit more. And I also wanted to move back to Chicago because although I moved around all of my life, my grandparents had lived here and I always considered Chicago my home. I ended up finding a job in the telecom industry here in Chicago, and I worked at a, a company in Greektown and uh, really explored that customer service aspect and got an opportunity to grow in my leadership and help the company uh, move together with a good process with serving the needs of our customers and retaining them and building our business. Uh, so that was wonderful, but I always had this hole because I didn't have an education and I didn't see a pathway forward to going to school because I, I was responsible for so many bills and, and just the day-to-day -day of trying to ensure that I have money for food, I have rent covered, I can take care of my uh, commute expenses because I live close to the city since I work downtown. Uh, so it was really quite difficult. I was able to go to college at the age of 25, and this was a result of meeting my ex-husband, I was extremely excited to finally be educated, finally have that moment where I could learn. And, and, you know, when you don't have something, I think it drives a hole sometimes and I couldn't wait to get fulfilled with it. So I got my associate's degree from Triton College and I wanted to go into pharmacy for a long time. I thought pharmacy was the perfect fit for me because I could have this aspect of understanding medications while also having the patient care aspect as well. And so I knew that this was going to be the right fit for me. And financially, it was the right move because I didn't have to take on an extra expense at the time with getting a bachelor's degree. I only needed to have my undergrad requirements fulfilled so that I could apply to pharmacy school. So I'm very fortunate that um, I got introduced to Midwestern University. Life has a really funny way of putting the right people in your path. You just have to listen. And uh, I remember being very, very, very dead set on a specific school. But one of my professors at Triton College had said, you know, I also teach at this other university and Midwestern is going to be doing a talk there about their pharmacy program. I think you should go as my guest. And so when I went, I thought, my goodness, this sounds like such an excellent program. It's in a great location. Let me apply to it. And the rest is history. I loved going to Midwestern University. It was probably one of the most challenging parts of my life outside of just doing the pharmacy curriculum, which was a huge adjustment. Unfortunately, I did go through a divorce during that time. And then I had to navigate and figure out, well, what do I want to do with this pharmacy degree? That was certainly a journey in that of itself.
Well, there's so much to unpack there, Sharon. And again, thank you for sharing. I think your experience as a first-generation college graduate, which I've shared with others on the podcast that I also am that, that there's you know some unique challenges related to navigating that. And I can't imagine how scary it must have been when you were experiencing the vasculitis when you were working at Subway, you know, like you were just trying to kind of keep things going. And so that in itself was tough. And, you know, your journey then back up to Chicago and, and getting the connections. And I firmly believe that people come into our lives and situations at the right time and for the right reasons, even though, as you know, you just shared, it's hard sometimes to be like, is this really where I'm supposed to go? And I love that, you know, you did the associate's degree in community college and then ended up at Midwestern University. And, you know, we've talked a little bit on the podcast over the past year, year and a half about mentors providing good advice or insights or, you know, helping to guide you down a path. But sometimes they can also give you advice or insights that are not a fit where it it, it just doesn't make sense for you, or it's not really an option. Have you experienced that one? And let's dig a little deeper. Yeah, I love this question. So I'll take a step back and just share some really, really impactful moments with mentors and sponsors. While I was in pharmacy school, going through my divorce specifically, I felt very pressured to figure out what I was going to do with my career. I originally came into pharmacy thinking I would move into the community pharmacy space and try to develop some sort of strategic solution to some of the issues that our pharmacists and our patients were experiencing whenever they were going to get care. But as I started exploring other pathways, I thought, well, maybe clinical pharmacy and, and specifically a PGY1 and admin or PGY2 and admin would be the right direction for me. So as I was going through this process, um, I ended up signing up for a leadership institute program that Midwestern University was hosting, and we were provided a list of mentors that were assigned to other groups, but we, we got the list for everyone. And I thought, okay, you know what, let me reach out to everyone and have a better understanding of what their stories are and how they navigated their careers or, or what their life was. So I ended up meeting Dr. Desi Kodas at Northwestern at the time, and she really took me under her wing. For some reason, she saw something in me, and I'm forever grateful because she changed the entire trajectory of my professional life and my ambitions and my passions in a way that I can't even articulate very well, to be honest with you. I can hear it in your voice, though. I can hear it. Yeah, she really did. So um, I had some great advice um, from all the mentors that I sat down with. And I think what's important when you're going out and seeking advice or just hearing people's stories, make sure you make time to sit down and listen. A lot of people have a misunderstanding about mentors and sponsors that you need to go with an ask. I would not suggest that. I, I would say the most important thing that you can do when you're seeking mentorship is listening to other people and, and truly understanding who they are and what drives them. So Dr. Kodas had asked me if I wanted to participate in a women in leadership initiative that ASHP was putting on. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Who could turn that down? So 
I didn't really understand what that was, to be honest with you, because I thought there weren't any women in leadership challenges any longer. Yeah. And it it might look like that from the outside at first, right? Absolutely. And I thought, okay, well, I'll do this assignment. And uh, she had asked me just to do some preliminary research. She pointed me in some really good directions. And I learned very quickly that my goodness, not only do we have a huge challenge in, in healthcare and pharmacy, but this is still a problem across the board in all industries. And it becomes more and more apparent as you start moving up in leadership positions. And that's when it gets a little bit more tricky to navigate. So in that research with her, I found that uh, as the number of pharmacy students started to increase, the number of women or people who identified as women also increased in enrollments in pharmacy school. But as folks were moving up in leadership positions in pharmacy and healthcare, that number was completely off. The ratio of men to women was very, very different from the women that were entering into the workforce. So we wanted to find out why. Now, unfortunately, there's not a lot of information very specifically about pharmacy. I would love to see research and surveys that walk us through some of the factors that correlate with it. But understanding and having awareness, I think, is very important. So as a student, I thought there's no issues with this. As a professional now, having graduated in 2018, working now in a different industry, being in a wonderful business school program, I can tell you that these issues are alive and well all throughout all industries. So that's an example of good advice, mentorship, and sponsorship that I've received. Now, in terms of insights that maybe aren't a fit, my goodness, (laughs) there are a lot of really well-meaning people. And I think things that I've learned over the course of my career and while I've been in pharmacy school is that you really need to take stories and advice with a grain of salt. I cannot tell you how many times people have told me that what I wanted to do was not possible. And this is even while I was a student pharmacist, as well as a pharmacy graduate already in the field. I was interested in going into business school very early on. And so I had some conversations with pharmacists who also either had their MBA or they were on the trajectory to getting their MBA working in pharma, for example. And I recall having a conversation with one such individual who told me that I should not apply to business school because it would be presumptuous and my employer would think that I'm trying to get promoted too quickly. And that instead of getting my MBA shortly after I graduated from pharmacy school, I should consider trying to get into a pharma company or an industry company or managed care, whatever the case may be, and then working for some years and building a case that I effectively deserve to go to business school. Now, I mentioned I was a non-traditional student and I started my undergrad at the age of 25. So when I heard that advice, I thought, oh no, I did not agree with that whatsoever. I understood that this was that person's perception. And I thought, okay, let me dig a little bit deeper into that. So I spoke with a few other folks that had similar backgrounds. And I asked, is this the culture in these particular companies that you must earn the right to go to business school? By and large, a few people had said, well, yes, I can see that. Uh, But most people didn't agree with that. And certainly the business school didn't agree with that. So that's one example 
Another example uh, would be when I was interested in potentially pursuing a career in pharma while I was still a student pharmacist. Um, I had somebody who was a professor tell me that it was too late for me to pursue a pharma role. And this was my second year in pharmacy school. And I had asked why, and that person had said, because I should have already researched the company, understood the portfolios. I should have already made these contacts if I was going to put myself into a position to get a fellowship. Well, I don't know how many people go into pharmacy school in their first year and know exactly what they're going to do. And I, I'd love to see some data on what you thought you were going to do when you went into pharmacy school versus where you ended up, <laughs> whether or not that was a choice. I think most people that I've spoken to who've gone to pharmacy school have their positions change as they gain more experience. So that was really disheartening for me because I thought, <laughs> how was I supposed to know that these opportunities existed? I think I'll give one more example of this um, that was really important to me. Last year, I was at a different company and we were going through a, a merger and acquisition during the COVID-19 pandemic. And so I started exploring how to pivot into pharma, into the pharma industry. And I spoke with an executive leader who was also a, a PharmD MBA. And this leader told me that I was uh, also too old or I was getting to be too old to get into pharma. And that even though I had a leadership role in my current position, that if I wanted to get into the pharma industry, I would really need to consider just going in through avenues that students did or recent graduates did. So med info or medical communications, or he even suggested taking a large salary hit and going through uh, a contract to hire just to get my foot in the doorway. And that was also very disheartening because I had already been a director and, and driven revenue at my previous organization. I had a great deal of experience and, and strategic experience. So I think people are very well-meaning, but a lot of folks don't understand that these stories aren't a pathway. They're subjective experiences viewed through a lens of, of that individual. And so what you have to really be aware of is to absorb the stories and then take learnings from that that resonate with you. I'm a big advocate of listening to your gut instinct and having these gut checks to say, does this make sense for me? Does this feel right? And using that as a guidepost will lead you in the right direction. Had I listened to that individual, I would not be where I am today. I obviously got into a pharma company. We're actually a digital therapeutics company, but we're built like a pharma company. And I'm in a leadership role that is driving a lot of impact for the organization. And it's unbelievable to me that about a year ago today, I was told that that would never happen and that I shouldn't even attempt it. Yeah, there's so many gems that you shared, you know, from that, our discussion about mentors and the impact that, you know, Dr. Desi Kodis had on you and, and the listening that you participated in when you were part of that process and that you met with multiple people, multiple mentors. I mean, I think it's important for our community, our listeners to reflect on cast the net broad and, you know, how important that was for you on your journey and then that you jumped in. And, you know, that's a connection that we share this women in pharmacy, women in pharmacy leadership and the initiatives that ASHP worked on. I've had Sarah White on 
Um, she and our good friends, Jan Carmichael, past president of ASHP, who's been passionate about some of these topics too. And I appreciate your honesty about lessons that you learned from advice that you didn't take. And I know, I think it's sometimes tough when you're, you know, you get advice from someone who either is more seasoned or has, you know, more years experience. And they're so either specific or emphatic about, you know, you should or shouldn't do this. And I love that you highlighted listening to your gut, because I think for many of us, we have that intuition. We know in our gut, which way we should go, or we know in our gut, which way is best for us. You know, it might be different for him or for her, but what's best for us. And so, yeah, I found that too, that the couple of times where I push back and even if it was someone who I very much respected, but I knew that that advice didn't fit in my situation. I had to have a different lens on it and being open to it. And, you know, I really want to applaud you for how far you've come in the past year. And also, I think you were asking these questions and seeking this kind of bigger picture during COVID. I've talked a lot with student pharmacists and with residents that I think COVID has opened up possibilities too. Like it could work out or maybe not, but you know, there's there's options that maybe weren't on the table before. And so I think that's a really neat thing. And it also shows someone how much can change. I mean, a year seems like a long time, but it also in the grand scheme of things is a short amount of time. So thank you. And you know, maybe our listeners can reflect on, is there some advice out there or someone that someone's talking to them about that maybe they need to put that on a shelf or realize good for you, but not for me and look at it in a different way. You touched on your current role and technology and healthcare, they're converging so much. We've got innovation and patient care is being transformed. So tell me more about your role in prescription digital therapeutics and your approach thinking outside of the box with your PharmD education. What does that look like? Oh, prescription digital therapeutics. What a crazy space. So I love the direction of this conversation because the reason I got this role was actually because of a mentor who turned into a sponsor. I also volunteer with an association called the Healthcare Business Women's Association. And I went through a formal mentoring program with them. And one of my previous mentors, Chris Velosky, I kept in touch with over the years. And Chris had approached me sometime late last year about a potential opportunity to work at the company he was at called Pair Therapeutics and that they would be posting a position specifically to do with grants. So I had a conversation and uh, applied for the job and really was trying to wrap my mind around a prescription digital therapeutic. What is this? Would physicians and, and providers and healthcare teams adopt it? What was the clinical evidence behind it? As a pharmacist, we really want to be involved with something that's aligned with having that clinical evidence. And so I found that uh, the way that the prescription digital therapeutics were studied and the way that we got our FDA clearance was through randomized clinical trials, and it had great data. We have real world evidence. So I work specifically within the addiction medicine space with two prescription digital therapeutics that are indicated currently for SUD and then another for OUD. And it's been a really fascinating move to take my PharmD and use it in a more commercially strategic initiative. 
So in my role, I'm not working within medical affairs, which is where a lot of people would think pharmacists should fit into. In fact, the vast majority of the advice I received over the years when I talked about going into industry was, well, you should consider being an MSL or you should consider, you know, different aspects within medical affairs itself where you can leverage your knowledge and your degree even higher. For me, I'm able to have intelligent conversations with clinicians and a variety of audiences about prescription digital therapeutics because I have my PharmD degree. So I think being able to think outside of the box with your education, specifically with the PharmD, consider what you did to get through pharmacy school or how you're operating in your current role. You have research skills. One example that I like to use with pharmacy students is therapeutics. Everybody has to go through therapeutics. It is so much information. How do you assimilate that? I don't think anybody expects you to remember everything. And certainly when you're going out into practice, we don't want you to pretend to remember everything and not check your resources to make sure you're correct. So understanding how to navigate the overall scope of a disease state, what the guidelines are, how to find the guidelines. You know, we all have frameworks for walking through clinical material and then using that in our jobs, whatever our roles are. It's the same concept outside of a traditional pharmacist role. You look and you see what is the framework for learning this. So when I moved into this role at Payer Therapeutics, one, I needed to figure out, well, <laughs> what is a prescription digital therapeutic? And I did that before I interviewed for the position. So I did research in the way that I would if I'm looking at a brand new drug. I got myself back up to speed on addiction medicine and what uh, any guidelines would say uh, and what the standard treatments were. And I really familiarized myself as much as I could with that particular therapeutic area, just using the skills that I had before with doing journal clubs, therapeutics. And in my previous role, I was working in continuing medical education. So I had a great deal of experience going through studies, going through review articles, and then also researching pharma companies in their portfolios. So it's been a tremendous tremendous opportunity. I think that any pharmacist can get into any position that they desire to do. If you take a step back from what you're learning as black and white and think about the skills. So those research skills, speaking with patients. Uh, another example I like to pull is all of your experience speaking with patients, you have to talk with so many different people who have varying degrees of health literacy. They have different cultural backgrounds. They have different personalities. These people that you're dealing with as patients can also be people that you work with, or they could be people you have to collaborate with or people that you are signing a contract with for your organization. So having those skills is a huge, huge benefit um, to transfer over to any position because you understand how to break down information for your audience and how to work with folks in a way that's going to be more productive. So a lot of this is just communicating that value in a way that's tangible for your interviewer and for people who aren't familiar with pharmacy. So my advice to anyone who's interested in pivoting into a, a more non-traditional career route or pathway or into something interesting and new like digital therapeutics or prescription digital therapeutics 
is to take a step back from that PharmD education and think about the skill set that you learned, distill it down into basics. You know, patient counseling and, and working with patients, that is communication skills. What type of communication? You can communicate across cultures, across literacy backgrounds, et cetera. And also just being able to research and understand different therapeutic areas. There's a wide variety of opportunities outside of just pharma and prescription digital therapeutics and managed care. Um, you could even go into management consulting. So that was another pathway that I was exploring as well. So it's been a very, very exciting way to think about what is the value of the PharmD degree and how can you sell yourself? How can you brand yourself? It's not as difficult as a lot of people think. It just takes a few moments to sit back and say, okay, how can I distill all this clinical information down to someone who's never known what a pharmacist actually is and then align it with the position that I'm applying for? Well, thank you. You just gave so many good real world examples of how pharmacists and um, student pharmacists can navigate this wide new world that we have, you know, and that there might be positions out there that currently align or that they're very familiar with. But then some like you described are new and innovative. And we've, you know, touched on many of those in other episodes of the podcast. So you reinforce the idea of what are the transferable skills? What do they look like? You know, they may be described in a different way. And so how do you drill down for that? And thanks for your explanation about digital therapeutics. I feel fortunate. I've had Megan Coder, who is the executive director for the Digital Therapeutic Alliance. And we worked together over many years at PTCB. And then Risa Batanka with APHA, and you know she's been very engaged in digital health, also talked about you know some of these topics on an earlier issue. So very, very interesting. One of our goals on the Melissa Rx Scripps podcast is to widen the path for others. And you know I know that's important to you too. Um, I can hear it in your voice and in some of the things that you've done over your pharmacy career. So can you describe some ways that you've lifted others on your leadership journey? Absolutely. This is so tremendously important to me because I would not be where I am now without many, many, many individuals playing a role in my pathway. Um, and that is from mentors to sponsors. So as I've been moving forward in my career, I've been very cognizant of speaking with student pharmacists because I recall going through pharmacy school and being very concerned about what I was going to do, how was I going to support myself, and how do I navigate everything? I also had some issues too with, with confidence at that point because I described my journey in pharmacy school to a certain point, but when I was thinking about my last year of pharmacy school and where I was going to go, I ultimately decided not to apply for a residency. I did not feel like it was going to be the right fit for me. And then I ended up applying for a few fellowships, unfortunately did not get them. And then I ended up with my first job in continuing medical education, just by virtue of people sharing my information behind the scenes. So my resume got passed to my previous CEO and I was able to interview for the position. Had that not happened, I have no idea where I would be at this moment. And I'm so happy with where my life has taken me. So I like to go speak to student pharmacists whenever I get an opportunity. Um, I've been fortunate that Midwestern University has invited me to come back and speak on panels uh, for the last few years 
to discuss what I'm doing now and what my journey was like in pharmacy school and, and how to navigate trying to make a decision about where you fit. I also really, really enjoy mentoring. I have an open LinkedIn. I love when people reach out to me. I try to make as much time as I can to speak with people about their own questions. I love to edit resumes. One of my favorite things to do is to look at someone's resume as a pharmacist and say, how do you think you would describe this for a different role? But Something that has been really critical for a lot of folks that I've spoken to over the last few years has been this notion of believing in yourself and not looking to your current skill set as what you can only do. I'll give you an example. Let's say you are currently a pharmacy manager. Some people have limited themselves to community pharmacy pathway or to not stepping outside of their comfort zone to a position of greater leadership. I caution people against that because you don't know what you're going to learn on the job. You don't know what hiring managers are looking for. And this is particularly important with women we found in the research. A lot of women will go forward and apply for roles where they feel like they already have that experience. So they feel as if that is what they need to secure the position and so they cannot apply for a role of greater responsibility or with a different trajectory without gaining further experience. That is not the right way to approach applying for jobs or, or looking for a career. There are going to be some hiring managers that are looking very specifically for the things that they have on their job description, and they'll be looking very specifically for that experience. But the vast majority of hiring managers will hire you for talent. You just have to be able to communicate appropriately and in a way that makes sense to bridge your background to what they're looking for within the job description. So I love helping people create that story and navigate that story while also looking at bigger questions, like what drives them? What makes them happy? What is it that they enjoy about their current role or any of their previous roles? Where do they want to go and why? So having these conversations has been critically important. I'm a huge advocate for hiring pharmacists. I love to connect people together. So anytime my colleagues or friends are hiring for a position and they reach out to me, I will go through my network and see if there's an individual that I think is going to be a great fit for that. And then I will make a recommendation for that as well. And in turn, my friends and my colleagues will do the same for me. So I think having this network is critically important. And that's why I really, really encourage folks to go out and, and network and, and build these relationships because I would rather hire someone or push someone up that I know has a good background that a friend or colleague I trust recommends. So just having these communications together, being able to help navigate, how do you do written communication to support your goals, to support where you want to go. And then also for any of my employees and my direct reports, I am a huge advocate for personal and professional development. If you work for me, I'm not going to force you to stay in my department. I want you to be happy and I want you to grow and I want you to develop in your own unique way. So as a manager, I'm never expecting my employees to always stay with me. 
I expect them to do their jobs, do their jobs well. And I also want to provide them the opportunity to grow in ways that are interesting to them, even if that means they're going to forge a different pathway into a different role. Yeah, I love that one. And I think you focused on relationships and networking and connections and how important it is to stay in touch and to lift other colleagues up and let them know about opportunities. And we, you know, we've heard those as themes on other episodes of the Melissa Rx Scripts podcast related to pharmacy is a small world and healthcare really is a small world too. Well, Sharon, I have just loved, loved, loved catching up with you today. And I know we could keep going, but our time together is drawing to a close. And on each of these episodes at the very end, I ask this question. While I have you, is there one prescription or life lesson you'd like to share with others or comment on in the spirit of Melissa Rx Scripps? Yes, absolutely. My prescription would be to never hold yourself back. So often we allow other people to influence who we are and what our decisions are and what we're capable of. And sometimes those doubts just naturally creep in. So being able to listen and build your confidence in yourself is critical, critical to any development and growth that you have personally, professionally. So listen to that voice. Sometimes it's us that holds ourselves back and we have to stop ourselves. So always, always have confidence in your ability to move forward and in your ability to be great in whatever way that you're looking for, whether it is a professional endeavor, whether you want to focus on being a parent or a caregiver, whether you're doing it all, or you need to take a step back from everything. Never hold yourself back. Wow. That is such a good one. And I think that is a great way for us to wrap up today. You know, I just want to say thank you. I'm grateful that we connected and who knew that, you know, me reading an article on the ASHP website would lead to this beautiful conversation that we had today. And this is the Melissa Rx Scripts podcast. To everyone listening, please consider subscribing to our show. I also want to thank my producer, Kate Cruz with Executive Podcast Solutions, who helps us make the magic happen. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.